Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. gifts. We're in uh, this series on the spiritual gifts and we're wrapping up. I'm glad to see some people showed up after I spoke on the gift of tongues last week. So that must mean like something's happening because people are in. Um, And so I'm I'm really excited about this week. We're going to talk about kind of like what to do with your giftedness, how to develop it, how to cultivate it. Next week, Greg Dewey is going to give a sermon on 1 Corinthians 13 about the supremacy of love over all these things, right? Above all these things, love. So we're going to do that. And then we'll wrap up the next week, this series, just looking at the life of Jesus, just always bringing back to the life of Jesus and how Jesus embodied every gift that he gives, he is. <laughs> He's giving out of his nature and his reality. And so we're going to look at that. Um, and then we're going to move into a series on the fruits of the Spirit. So it just feels like that's just a really easy thing to match those two things together uh, heading into Advent. So that's where we're going. So uh, we're going to read these texts that we have read out of Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, just to kind of remind us of the context of what we've been talking about, all the gifts, and then we'll dig in kind of to a little deep dive on this. So uh, Romans 12, just as each of us has one body with many, many members, if you want to dig into your Bible, grab a Bible if you want to read long, open it on your phone, has many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. What I love about this, he lists a number of gifts, but the key is if you have it, then use it, <laughs> right? If God has given you something, he expects you to use it for his Glory. Ephesians 4 says it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What is Jesus' goal for the body of Christ is that we would become mature, that we would come to this fullness of Jesus. So like I said, Jesus is the model. He represents the fullness of God. He wants the church to represent the fullness of God, just like he did. And the problem with us is we can't do it as one person like Jesus did. We need everyone. All of us here are needed to represent that fullness of Christ. And then 1 Corinthians 12. Now about spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he gives them to each of them, to each one just as he determines. So, What we've been talking about is, um, as we have been on a journey as a community, coming to understand who this Holy Spirit is and what his role is in the body of Christ, we just want to say yes to him. We want to say yes to every gift he has for us, whether it's in Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 or 1 Corinthians 12. We just want to say, Holy Spirit, if you want to give us a gift, we know you're good because you're sent by Jesus. We know Jesus is good because he was sent by the Father. How do we know that? Because the Father is good. And the scriptures say the Father only gives good gifts. So everything that flows from him, we say it's good. And we don't pick one or the other and say, well, that one's good and that one's, I don't know about, you know, it's like, no, no, we just say, we say yes to all of it. And we want to receive all of it and see all of it operating in the church because we want everything that God has for us. So now this, this brings us to an interesting thing like, well, okay, as I am in the church and as I'm discovering kind of who I am in Christ and I start to see these gifts show up in my life, right? How do I understand this? How do I grow in this? How do I use these gifts in a way that honors God and uh, that builds the church? Remember he says, he says, strive above all things to grow in these gifts that build the church. This is, we want the church to grow, and as, as Sue said uh, during communion, we want the church to be beautiful. That's, uh, so it's interesting, Ephesians 5, right, in this command about the husband to love your wife as Christ loves the church, lay your life down for her. He starts to describe this amazing thing and you forget that he's actually talking about a reality that Jesus wants his church to be spotless <laughs> and blameless and presented to him in beauty and glory. That's our job is to love this new family that he's created and, and let her be beautiful, build her up uh, to be what she's called to be. So in that, uh, I, I uh, was given a book by a friend and it's really interesting. It's written by a couple of uh, Fuller Seminary professors in like the 1970s. And so you, you, you can't really find this book anywhere. Nobody reads it anymore. It's got the smallest type print. Like, uh, I mean, I'm in my office. I'm 44 now. I'm just like, Oh my goodness, some people read this. It, it is such a phenomenal book because it, it gave me a paradigm shift as we talk about spiritual gifts, as we talk about um, what this author would call giftedness and building what he calls a giftedness set. And I think this is really fascinating because the question is, well, I have spiritual gifts, so now how do I use them? And how do these spiritual gifts interact with the rest of my life? Right? Because I don't live my whole life in a worship service. I live it in various different contexts. I have various roles and callings on my life. And so he would say this, your giftedness set is your natural abilities, your acquired skills, and your spiritual gifts. And that the God, the creator of the universe who created you, has given you these things, he's allowed you to learn these things, and he's deposited things in you for you to create kind of a whole life picture to understand what your role is in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, and here on the earth. 
And what he wants you to do is to not just have a vision for your role inside the church that is like this silo and then a vision of your role in business and that's that silo or education or nonprofit work or whatever it is you do. He's like, no, no, I want you to have an integrated vision of the world, the whole world, because he's like, I am king over everything. I'm Lord over everything. Abraham Kuyper said it this way. He said, there's not a square inch on the world that Jesus Christ does not declare mine. <laughs> he's like, marketplace, mine. Church, mine. Education, mine. All of this is mine. I'm, I'm declaring my uh, rule and reign over all these things. And you are like his, like, you know, uh, uh, you're like his under shepherd or like his vice president. You're like, you're the person who is enacting the will of the chief executive officer of the universe. He sends you out into the world to do these things. And he doesn't want you to be one way in the church and another way in your office on Monday. He said, I'm, I'm gifting you and I've created you and I've called you to use all of these things. And so what that requires of us all of a sudden is to come to a clear understanding of who we are. And it's interesting because this, this is happening a lot of ways um, uh, through like personality tests and strength finders. Like it's amazing how much people know about themselves these days. And yet it's amazing how big the gap is between what they know about themselves and the execution of those things in their actual day-to-day -day lives, Right? So they're like, I'm an Enneagram 8. Any Enneagram fan, fans here? Like, so I, I'm an 8. Um, and, you know, it's the one, I feel like it's the one where you're just like, I don't want to be an 8. I have so many people who are like, they read the description, like, oh, I'm an 8, right? And so I'm an 8, which means, like, I'm, I'm, I tend to be aggressive. Um, I, you know, I, I tend to, like, enjoy contact. Like, like, life is real when it feels like you're in a fight. I, like, uh, I was telling somebody uh, the other day, I was like, I want to be in the game. I'm like, put me in, coach. I want to be in the game. I want to feel like the heat of life, you know, but that can make me a bulldozer, right? It can make me not very gentle. And, and all of that's well and good to know that. But if I know that and I just keep bulldozing people, what good is it knowing it, right? So self-understanding is only valuable in as much as I can shift uh, my perspective, as much as I can submit my life to the scriptures and say, wait a second, I'm not naturally gentle, yet the Holy Spirit says, I don't want you to be gentle like Jesus. Jesus is like, come to me like I'm meek and humble of heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So he's like, if you want to lead like me, you can't say Jesus has an easy burden and a light, you know, like an easy yoke and a light burden. But if you come work for me, you're going to have a heavy burden and a hard yoke, like no, that's, that's, we can't live that way. So that's, that's why we wanna to come to understand some of these things and it's really important to understand who you are and your story and all that stuff. But if, if you never do anything with it, it's just like, uh, I love the term navel gazing. It's, it's as good as just staring at your belly button all day. You're just like, what good is it to know the intricacies of your belly button? It does nothing for your life. I'm sure you like it, <laughs> maybe you hate it, I don't know, but, what, but it's just like, it just is, but so we're supposed to use these things and grow. So I want you to, uh, if you've got a piece of paper and a pen, take it out. If you've got your phone, open your notes app. We're going to walk through some stuff, and I want you to actually participate. Um, so the first thing is just your natural abilities. I want you to just to write down five things. What are five natural abilities? And again, these are different than acquired skills. These are things that you just naturally have. And they could be personality traits. It could be like, I, I have natural intuition. It could be that uh, you have natural athletic ability. Um, it could be that you just naturally have empathy. 
for people. I, I was born without that. Um, I have compassion, but, you know, but, so, you know, uh, mental toughness. Maybe you're just, you just have, like, you were just born, like, somebody who just never gives up. You have, like, a persevering attitude. That's just who you are. Um, maybe you've always been able to build relationships really easily. You're like, I mean, you're like, I didn't acquire the skill. It's like when I was in kindergarten, I had a friend the first day. And then I moved, moved. So, so for me, I went to three high schools in four years. And I never lacked for friends and it never bothered me because I was always able to go into new places and build relationships. And I just, it's just who I have been my whole life. So natural abilities, write down three or four or five or, I mean, maybe you have 50. So just stop at five. Um, <clears throat> need some like background music or something while you're doing this. All right, so that's good. You probably got a few, so that'll just get, get your brain working a little bit. Okay, so now I want you to write down acquired skills. What are skills you've acquired over the course of your life? And that could be leadership skills. It could be systems thinking. Uh, it could be, you know, around education, a classroom. If you're a teacher, you'd be like, I know how to manage a room. I know how to get people, kids to sit down, which is an amazing skill. Sit down and be still. I need help with that. You might have analytical skills, right? Um, you might have listening skills. You've cultivated uh, the ability to really listen to people and understand what they're saying and why they're saying it. Um, there's all sorts of other skills in there. Could be coaching like you've, you've developed uh, the ability to like really coach people and help them grow. These are skills that you've acquired and you've honed over years. It could be uh, you have the skill of building companies, of starting businesses, of managing things, of investments, whatever it is. So just give a couple more seconds to that. All right, last one, spiritual gifts. Do you know your spiritual gifts? And this might be one that you're like, hey, I'm not completely for sure, but I think, and that's okay. And there's lots of ways to discover this. Um, for the longest time, people would take tests. It's like a test you walk through. I'm, I'm not a big fan of spiritual gifts tests because I'm not a big fan of people self-identifying, right? Because how many times you've gotten somebody that's like, I really have this gift and everybody around is like, like, who's going to tell them? Anybody? <laughs> it's just crickets, you know, and you're like, nobody's going to say anything, but you're like, you do not have that gift. I'm sorry. Um, right? It's awkward when you self-identify. So usually you find out your gifts after it's come out of you and somebody comes back and they're like, you know what? At that coffee, I felt so encouraged by you and it felt like the Lord was speaking directly through you to me. Like, you're, it, like if somebody says that, you're like, man, I might have the gift of encouragement. And then what you see is it starts to happen. You start to get the same feedback over and over again. But maybe, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, maybe you just think, but just write down two or three that you think you might have based on those lists, right? Teaching, prophecy, um, all, all those things. But you, know, you might not have it off the top of your head. That's okay. Uh, we don't have to dig in that deep. But these three things, right, create kind of an idea of the way God has created you what you've done with how he's created you, and then what he wants to deposit in your life through the Holy Spirit, and that we can take all three of those things and actually come up 
um, with a plan of how we want to like pursue God in the world through these abilities, skills, and gifts. And what's interesting is in this, as you start to hone this, what you'll probably find is you'll find uh, what this author calls a focal element. It's an area of your life that is probably the overriding either ability, skill, or gift. And what I love about it is he says it could be any one of the three. It could be a natural ability that God wants to use as the major, like, like if you think about the spearhead of your life, it could be a natural ability, it could be an acquired skill, or it could be a spiritual gift. And I love that because what, it, what this idea does is it doesn't overvalue the spiritual gifts in your life. Because what can happen is we can kind of overvalue the spiritual gifts in terms of what makes people the best or the highest rank. Like, well, if, clearly if you have the gift of miracles, you have the highest spiritual gift and somebody doesn't have it, you're like, oh man, I don't really see miracles in my life. All I do is run a company with 150 employees and care for them and see their kids go to college. You're like, well, that's, that's a really big deal. That's something God loves because God said in the garden, go into the world and make something of this place that I've given you. So like, you can't tell me that in that vision, God didn't have in his mind's eye, like this imagination of doctors and lawyers and CEOs and teachers and, you know, leaders, all these things as part of this good thing that he created, right? Because he's like, this is all mine. And so your, your gift, your focal element might actually be a natural ability or acquired skill. And that's awesome. And then what you do is you start to ask the Lord, say, okay, with this acquired skill that is like the key like, again, spearhead of my life, what spiritual gifts do you want to give me to accent that and make it the most impactful thing, right? What acquired skills can I add to my life so I become the best surrounding this natural ability that I have that it could be for your glory? How do I use this thing that you've given me for your glory? And you strengthen it. And so, um, I love this idea of a giftedness cluster. So you take these things, and here's just a quick example, right? So here's somebody who has a spiritual gift of mercy. Um, they have the natural gift of sensitivity to people, and they have the acquired skill of listening, right? And so now they're like, okay, so I, I can see how God has wired me. I can see how the skills I've acquired, and I can see the spiritual gift and how they can make for a, a really clear path of what I should be doing in the church, right? And, and so this, this is really easy. So I look at this and I go, oh man, somebody who's got these three things in their life might be great in our sozo ministry, which is just like spirit-led prayer for inner healing. Somebody who just has these natural abilities, these acquired skills. Um, and, and what's hilarious, I think like this was out of the book, this direct one. I look at this and I was like, I don't really have any of these three things. So it's not like, so you might look at this and be like, man, that's not, that's great. Cause that is not me. Um, I have, a, you know, a little bit of there, like, but <laughs> I'm just like, I love that people have these three things because man, if it were left to me, if this church were all like me, we would be in big, big, big trouble. Um, so does that make sense? So you kind of take, and I love how, so this author says, take um, these natural abilities and put them into um, squares Take your acquired skills and put them into triangles and then take your spiritual gifts and then do like a Venn diagram. Start piecing it together. And then what you'll do is as, as that kind of grows, you'll end up with something a little bit like this, right? Uh, of this person has the spiritual gift of exhortation. And I love, he's like, if it's your main gift, if you have like a real primary gifting in the world, make that circle really big. And he has a, 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 this lady probably has a primary gift of leadership, 
or sorry, primary um, acquired skill of, or, sorry, that's acquired skill. No, that's uh, natural ability. There's a natural leader and they're naturally persevering attitude and they start to build out this diagram of what their gifts and skills and abilities look like. And then what it starts to become is, is not just a, uh, like a path to run on, but also a filter to apply to your life. Uh, so one of the things I've learned about myself, so I'm an eight, which means I'm a hard charger. I've got uh, apostolic gifts, which apostolic gifts many times uh, uh, closely connect to entrepreneurial gifts. Like if you go marketplace to church, you'd be like, apostles tend to be entrepreneurial. They like to start things. They like to be in charge of things. They like to be responsible like, I like to be a responsible thing. If I'm not responsible for anything, I probably won't show up. I'm just like, ah, they don't need me. I wanna, I'll, I'll go do somewhere else where I actually, I, again, I want to be in the game. I want to be on the team. I don't want to be on the bench. I want to shoot the shot. I'd rather miss the game-winning shot. I mean, this sounds terrible. Sometimes I was like, I'd rather miss the game-winning shot than you make it. Because I just want to, I want to try. Like, right? I, I just want to try. Like, does anybody else feel, you know, I just crazy? Okay, so... It, with that thing, it, it's become a filter for my life. So I, I serve on a few like nonprofit boards. And what I've realized is I can't serve on boards that don't have an entrepreneurial leader because I will drive them crazy and I, then I'll get bored and then I'll start picking at things. You'll be like, well, if I kind of pick this apart, it'll cause a crisis and then we'll be like, something will be happening, right? And, I, and so I, I, I've realized, I'm like, we just got to have another hill to charge, Okay, so I'm like, all right, what's the next hill? I'm looking for the next thing. I'm, I, uh, some people love maintenance mode. I, I, I can't do it. I can't, I'm like, oh man, I gotta, okay, you guys maintain this, I'll go on. So for me, it's been so helpful to understand how I'm naturally wired. These skills that I've acquired as I've uh, led people and worked in organizations uh, over, you know, it's like now it's 25 years and my spiritual gifts, my spiritual gift, uh, apostolic, I'm really, ex uh, exhortation is a big one for me. I'm not an encourager. I'm an exhorter. I'm like, the, I want to be like, you can do it. You know, like, and like, come on. Like, I'm not like, that was so good. You did so well. I mean, it's like, I've worked on that, but I'm, I, I more want to stay on the sidelines and yell at people as they're running like hard. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. When somebody's going for it and they're, all their people are in their stand, they're like, go, go. Like the little kid is running for a touchdown. That's what I like. I like yelling for like, go, right? And so that's what God does in my life is he puts me next to people who like somebody in their life going, saying, go, you can do it. Have faith. Keep going. Don't give up. Like that's my, that's what I like to do for leaders. So God puts me in people's lives a lot who are like starting things or they're doing hard things or they're doing scary things. And I like to be alongside them saying like, Let's go. You can do it. God's good. He's faithful. Have faith. Keep going. Don't give up. And that, that's like my role in their life. And um, I love that God's given me that role. And, I, and I've realized that I can't do other things. It's just not who I am. And so I, I don't try to do those things anymore. What I do is I, if people need that person, I go find them that, <laughs> that person. I'm like, ooh, you need me with this person. They're perfect for what you need. And it's not actually me which is great. So it's like, I got to just step away because I can't be all things to all people. Does that make sense? Okay. So this is, this is really fun. If you can tell too, I'm like, I like strategy. I like thinking deeply about my life. I like, um, Lance Humphreys preached a few weeks ago. He's like, he's like, he's always 10 years in the future. I'm always, I like, I think every single day about 10 years from now, every single day I spend at least probably 15, 20, 30 minutes 
thinking, dreaming, praying about where I'll be when I'm 54 and I just turned 44. I mean, I've already lived 44 10 years ago. <laughs> like in my mind, I've already thought about where we are going to be. And I like to think about the future and what can I do today to create, to be there. So it's just how God's wired me. And as I've come to understand myself in light of who he's made me to be, it's just freed me. I've just like let go of a lot of things that I felt like I had to be for people. And I just like, man, I'm so much more secure now that I know these things and I understand them and I can say yes to the right things and I can say no to things that aren't right for me and I can help people find someone who's right for those things. So two parables. Um, one's in Matthew 25 and, and I'm just gonna read these. Um, and and they're, they're similar parables though there's like different language. One's in Matthew 25, the other one's in Luke 19. And so I just want you to hear these and just listen with your spirit. Because I think they're, they're really important for us to understand the context of our lives in relation to who Jesus is. Um, so it says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received the one talent came. Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that I, when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke 19, Jesus tells a similar parable. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of 10 cities. The second came, sir, your mina has earned five more. Master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then the servant came and said, sir, here's your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put your money on deposit so that when I came back, I have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his money away and give it to the one who has 10. Sir, they said, he already has 10. 
He replied, I tell you to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. It's a fascinating story. Two stories about Jesus saying, I have given you something and my expectation is that you would return me something. But it's interesting that you would return me more than I've given you. Like his expectation is whatever he has given you, that you would take it into the world and multiply it. You'd care for it, you'd cultivate it, and you would multiply it to give back to him more than he gave to you. And that's a really interesting thing. And not because he's a hard man. See, they they misjudge his character. So one of the things that happens is like, they think he's hard because he's asked for a return, but he's not a hard man. It's just what should happen in the hands of a faithful servant. Right? If you have uh, money in the real world for investment and you give it to a money manager, what do you expect? You expect a return, right? Not because you're a hard person. It's because that's what you do with money. You invest it and you get a return. And, and that's what you expect a, a fiduciary in that, in that way would do for you. If you, gave your, your, uh, um, if you gave somebody your money and after 10 years they came back and they're like, hey, I just put it in a savings account for you. And like, you'd be like, seriously? You didn't do, you like, you didn't even try? Like you did nothing? Like, I mean, that's what Jesus is like, hey, what I want, and he mentions a couple words. One, he says faithfulness, faithful servant. So this says like, with what God has entrusted you, your whole life, your abilities, what he's allowed you to grow in your skills and what he wants to pour into through the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I want to see faithfulness. I want to see your life faithful to me, sowing those things into the world, Right? sowing it into the church, sowing it into your relationships so that you grow and my kingdom expands. That's what he expects, that you will grow in these things and my kingdom will get bigger. More and more people know who I am because of that. And then the second one I love, it's like this thing of what they lacked is they lacked zeal. They lacked urgency about the business of the master, right? Because he's telling this story, he's going, I'm going to Jerusalem. He knows he is, and he knows he's not coming back as soon as they think he is. So he wants to prepare them that when I'm not back the first week, second week, sixth month, 10th year, 100th year, we're a couple thousand years. He's like, I don't want you to forget that you will meet me someday, and I will ask you what you did with what I've given you. Like, that's the question he'll ask you. And, and the thing you can take comfort for is he's not asking for more return than you're capable of giving. He's not a hard master. He knows who you are. He knows what you've been through. He knows your whole story. What he's asking for is an appropriate response from you and a, an appropriate return on what he's given you. And it's in every way. So, so my life, I've experienced suffering, pain, and loss. And guess what? I think God, what he wants is a return on that. Not because he's a hard master, but because he wants me to grow and his kingdom to expand in every situation. In the best situation, in the worst situation, he's going to say, what did you do with your suffering? And I'm so glad. I'll be able to look Jesus in the eye someday and say, what I did was help other people who suffered. To see you, to love you, to not give up. That's what I did. Here's your return on this thing that happened to me in my life that I didn't ask for. You didn't put it on me, yet it happened. So in all things, if you give me money, God, I'm going to take that money. I'm going to sow it for the kingdom. If you give me talent, I'm going to take that talent, sow it for the kingdom. If you give me friends who have influence, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sow that, that thing into the kingdom for your glory and your good. I will have zeal. So 
So it's like, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to go into the world. And so I, I love this thing. It's basically, it looks like faithfulness plus zeal equals kingdom results. So it's being faithful with what God's given you, but it's also like, go. I love Jesus, like, go into the world, right? And make disciples. Go into the world and use what I've given you. Be faithful with it and do it with zeal, with enthusiasm, with energy, with effort. And, and, uh, and what these two things say, it says we will both be responsible and accountable to God for what he's done in us, for what he's given us. Um, and that's a serious thing, but it's not a, it doesn't have to be a scary thing, right? It's not a scary thing. It's actually like, I love it. God's saying your life matters enough to give a report someday. There's not a single human being in the universe who God says, you don't have enough value to come and report back to me after you die. It's like, no, no, no. Every single human being on the earth has so much value to God that he actually wants to see you someday. You have an appointment with him. He wants to talk about what happened. He didn't care about you. He'd be like, hey, who cares about your life? Don't worry about it. It's all fine. The, the world's a mess. He's like, no, no, no. Every single one of you. I created you. I love you. I've given you things, whether it's one or 10. And when you die, you're going to meet me and we're going to talk about it. Right? So we're responsible and accountable. And so what it looks like for me is it, it's like a pursuit of, of like understanding and knowledge about who God created me to be how to grow in these things, right, in, in, in all these areas of my life, and then to practice them over and over and over again until I get really good at certain things. And then it's just patience for opportunity. So we, we got a lot of 20-year-olds in here, 20-something. So my problem was, was like, in my 20s, I was pursuing and practicing, but I wasn't patient. I just wasn't willing to wait. And so finally, God just like, like in his uh, love for me, kind of hammered me. It was just like, you're, you're 28. You're not going to be in charge. <laughs> you're not Mark Zuckerberg, right? I and mean, it's like, it just doesn't happen very often. And luckily, I like, humbled myself. And now at 44, I just want to tell you, if you're in your mid-20s now, I'm 44 and I'm reaping so much good fruit in my life for the last 17 years of patience, of adding patience to my pursuit and practice. I didn't stop pursuing God because I didn't get what I wanted at 28. I didn't stop practicing because it was really hard. I just I was like, okay, I just need to add. God, I'll wait on your timing. Because he says this, humble yourself under my mighty hand. And when the time is right, I will exalt you. He's like, if you're willing to wait, you can get my exaltation. If you're not willing to wait, the best you'll ever get is your own exaltation. And it's never better than what God has for you. So pursuit, right? Um, practice and patience. So here's one little thing. So you look at how you can kind of think about this as you think about your life. And I'd encourage you, as you have these encounters and experiences, like write them down. If you're in a business, you have a leadership experience, whether it was really good or really bad, write it down and start to track. So this is like ministry, this thing of like spiritual gifts. You kind of have something happen. You experience, let's say you have an experience where you're in worship. You look at somebody across the room and God just deposits in your brain something for them. You go and talk to them and they're like, wow, it's like you read my mail. You're like, okay, that's a ministry experience. So you've discovered you might have this gift or ability. And then what you do is you're like, okay, I'm going to start doing that more. In worship, as I worship and pray, I'm just going to look around and say, God, is there anything you want to say to anybody in this room? Because I just want to be used by you. You have this increased uh, openness, awareness, and then you start to just use that gift more. And then you start to see your effectiveness increase, right? As you use a gift, you get better at it, Right? Uh, you start to practice the gift. The more you practice it, the more you realize when you're like, oh man, I, I did it that time, it didn't work. 
I was actually off. I was in kind of in the flesh a little bit. I wasn't really thinking right, or I didn't check it by the scripture. I didn't run it by anybody, whatever. Then you see the effectiveness. Then you discover other gifts and abilities. As you like dig into this, you start to realize you have more gifts than you thought you did, or you have more abilities than you thought you did, or you've actually acquired skills that you didn't quite know you had. Remember I said about my experience in suffering? I started like talking to people who had been through similar experiences and I realized, man, I have this catalog of gained knowledge that I hadn't had the ability to use except when I sit in front of somebody who's going through intense pain and now I can be like, oh, and so now I've actually started to be like, oh, now I know what to say in this situation because it, it like, whew, that experience, I discovered it in this thing. Then you identify your gift mix, you develop this kind of idea, this matrix of how to look at the world. And then the convergence of these things start happening in like deepened experience. Like, so I, I just want to say, if you'll take this journey with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord, if you'll get mentors in these things, people who are where you want to be, they have the convergence. So for me, it's been people like Lance Humphreys and Todd and Greg Dewey, Billy Patterson. I'm like, oh, these, these men, like they have these things. And so I, I want to be like them. They start to help me understand. I'm like, hey, I had this experience. They help me interpret it. They help me like, catalog it and then say the next time you have that happen here's a couple tools you can do for me it was like to to not talk so quickly <laughs> you should pray more during that meeting <laughs> be silent more not be so quick to speak and so you have this convergence and then all of a sudden you show up to these places in such like humble confidence knowing you actually have something to offer but not needing to offer it unless it's like really needed and people start to experience you. So I had this encounter, I, I told you, where um, I, I was with um, my, my first wife, uh, Samantha, her family, we're still really close. Um, so I got to see them in Dallas a few months ago with two of my kids, with my boys. And she grabbed me afterwards, she goes, I just can't believe how gentle you are with your kids. And she's saying that because she knew me in my 20s and how I lacked all gentleness. I was just like, you saw a walking brain on a stick. I was like a walking mouth. I was just like, I would just, you know, just speak every chance I could. And I just got in the car and I was just like, tears in my eyes, just like, Holy Spirit, thank you. Because that's you. That's not me. I, I didn't learn how to be gentle. He molded me and shaped me and produced in me gentleness that's coming out. And so I just want to encourage you, like that, that patient practice, this pursuit of, um, of expertise, right? Like expertise in all these areas of our lives that Christians should be experts in all these areas. And you actually have a secret power that all the other people in your office, in your classroom, these like, if they're not Christians, they don't have it because the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's like, I'm your helper. You have a problem? ask for help. You need something? I have gifts that I can literally pour out in your life for a moment. In that meeting, in that conversation, in that crisis, I actually have resources that if you'll be aware of my presence and my voice, I can bring them out in those moments. So I'm going to invite the band back up. Um, we're going to sing a song. We're going to close. But Ephesians 3 is just a really important verse in my life. And I think this is the recovery of this says, Jesus, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What's God's purpose for the church? His purpose for the church is that it would be mature 
and full in Christ, all the gifts would be operating, all, uh, uh, every expertise in every area that the world thinks they have, we should have also, except we should also have the Holy Spirit. And that through us, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. And I love in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, people should come in the church and say, certainly God is in their midst. Like that's what the church is known for, is being mature, full, loving, kind. We should have all the fruits, all the gifts of the Spirit, and the wisdom of God gets made known according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I want you to stand to your feet. Uh, and I just close your eyes first real quick. <clears throat> and would you just open your hands? And just eyes closed, just hands open. And, and just one is, is like open hands as just an offering to God, which just says, God, whatever abilities you've given me naturally and whatever skills I've acquired, I just offer to you right now. If I own a business, I offer it to you, God. It's yours. How could you use it? If I have the ability to just naturally make friends and connect people, God, would you just use it? Whatever it is that, that I have naturally of myself, I know it still comes for you. I just offer it to you. And then would you just say, God, whatever spiritual gifts you want to place in my life, I'm open. <laughs> in whatever way you want to glorify your name, yourself in my life, I just, I'm open. 